As the man said, real Kipper and born. Right back at you. Derek Brandeo on tech, Sammy McKee, and Justin Bourne. As we inch closer to the Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the Anaheim Ducks, who were once mighty. Now, I'm a little older, but that must have been JB, and especially you, Sammy. That's your wheelhouse right there, eh? The mighty Ducks, those movies. Sweet spot, sweet spot. I mean, talk about talk about great flicks. You know, sweet spot age wise. I'm sure. Uh, you know, Sammy was was more into it than I was even. But my God, the, yeah, I'm. I understood why they were called the Mighty Ducks and felt no shame about enjoying them. It, it, it must have been the flying V, which we see a lot <laughs> on NHL power plays now. Yeah, we do, don't we? <laughs> oh my Skating God, the, the rink dr- and drop it to the back. Honest, that's that's all I think about. When I watch that neutral zone drop and either Marner or somebody's coming a thousand miles an hour through the neutral zone, they stole that off of Coach Bombay. Coach Bombay was a, you know, he, he should go in the Hall of Fame as a builder. He really is a pioneer uh, in the NHL. Big believer in Coach Bombay. I don't know. I, I think, you know, they had some good players, the Mighty Ducks. I thought they're, who, who's the goaltender? What happened? Julie, Julie the Cat Goldberg. Gaffney? Goldberg. <laughs> oh, Goldberg, I thought was the where, she was. Where is the yeah. commitment to fitness for Goldberg? That held them back <laughs> all those years. We'd have crucified him on the show, wouldn't we have? Just oh, to think, my God. Oh, yeah. Iceland. <laughs> hey, who's? Reed's who's taking more dumb Turk, penalties. Uh, <laughs> Turk Broda, Gump Worsley. Uh, uh, who's the Gumper? The Gumper. That, who's, the, who's the Leaf that was, uh, that was eating... Like chicken wings on the scale. Do you remember that old picture? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a Goldberg Wesley? moment. Mm. Anyways. Puck. Anyways, let, uh, is that Russ? This, this probably would have looked like an easier two points uh, a week ago when they kind of hit a skid. I think two seven and one, and now mm. a couple of big wins, convincing wins against Tampa Bay for Anaheim. And then last night, the Boston Bruins. So they're coming in with a, a little bit of swagger uh, to face the Leafs tomorrow night. Yeah, they're they're the weirdest team in the NHL for me. I, I have no idea what to, <clears throat> what to make of this group. Excuse me. Their, their goal differential is plus four, which is just barely keeping your head above water, and they're second in their division. So uh, probably speaks more to their soft division than uh, does about the, the Ducks town. But they got some guys that can beat you, and they got a goalie that can stop the puck. Just to tee up uh, the rest of the show, Tom Rennie, CEO of Hockey Canada, is going to join us in about 10 minutes or so. And, of course, uh, the Team Canada officially named its 25-man roster. We'll have a little fun with the roster and see how many names we recognize or which ones intrigue us uh, a little bit more uh, later on in the show. We've also got Brian Lawton, former NHL agent, general manager, current analyst. This guy's done it all. Uh, we're we're going to pick his brain uh, on the Leafs, Anaheim, and, of course, around the National Hockey League, Jason York as well. So uh, stick around. It's going to be a great few hours here on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. So uh, where's the biggest topic of discussion for you? 24, a uh, little over 24 hours into Leafs in Anaheim. Is it is it uh, the goaltending guys? Is it the shuffled lines? What what stands out for you guys? 
Well, I still think probably the new look Toronto Maple Leafs are rolling out a different group, right? Like having having Willie Nylander on the third line is not something you would expect. Guys in a career year, uh, you know, really pouring the puck in the net. And to see him in that spot on the roster with none of Matthews, Tavares, or Marner on his line, that's that's something we haven't seen, right? Sounds like he's saying all the right things if you're Nylander. Is he? Well, spread it out. Uh I, I I don't there there isn't a sense that uh, I, of course there's public perception and what goes on behind the scenes, but it it appears that everybody's on board uh, on board for this. Yeah, you know this is one of those Willie things where you know he's never going to be the guy to go to the media to make his point about what he thinks he deserves or wanting more. I'm just going to float this out there. It's possible that he's just a shoulder shrugging kind of guy and goes, okay, all right, third line, fourth line, press box, pay pay me. <laughs> you know, that's an, that might be why Willie is the way he is. Well, let's get, uh, let's get Sheldon Keefe's thoughts on Willie on the third line. I just like the ability to have lots of options. It's on me to manage the minutes, and that was my message to Will. Um, and not just Will, but but to, to Mitch and Austin and John. I spoke to those guys as well, and and uh, Mikheyev, uh, just about how I foresee it and what I'm thinking of in doing this. Uh, there's no, no demotion here for anybody. I think this is about uh, spreading out our lineup and, and something we haven't really done uh, in my time here uh, very much. Uh, and want to see what does it do with our team w- with the additions that we've made uh, in the offseason and, and guys that are really comfortable uh, on, our, on our roster. Uh, but also just how does the how does the opposition contend with that and uh, what does it look like? We have a good sense of some things that work really well that I can go back to at any, any time and it'll be on me to manage that. I'm, I'm okay with this. Uh, we're not even on the we're, – we're, we're almost and yet, yet not at the halfway mark of the season. And he's already in that mindset of different looks – the ability to make adjustments when it's going to matter down the road. I think it's it's a smart and wise move, move for him. But I, I also think maybe it's just a reflection of, of not feeling totally comfortable with his forward group. Yeah. Well, I think both things could be true, that he can be like, uh, you know, maybe feel like something is missing a little bit. Um at the same time being like, well, if it's missing, we haven't tried it this other way. Maybe it doesn't feel that way. I, I don't know. Do you think it's a coincidence, Kipper, that the uh, the uh, plan to, air quotes, experiment is happening when six of their next eight games are against not amazing teams? Like the six of their next eight games are Ducks, Red Wings, Devils, Devils, Canucks, Kraken. Uh, they, they do have the Hurricanes and Flames mixed in there. But do you think it's coincidence that the, this is the time he's doing this? No. I don't. I, I think you're on to something for sure, that there seems to be a, a a level of calmness before the storm, and we know the storm's in February. They're going to pack in all those games. It's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, it'll be that stretch where you're you're really going to decide your, your first-round opponent, and not that they want to play that game anyways because we know how dangerous that is, uh, trying to pick your poison come first round of the playoffs i.e. Tampa, Florida, Boston, you know, if you catch them uh, at, at the right right or wrong time, depending how you look at it. But 
there there seems to be a window here where there's some flexibility here, which would also include finding ways to get Mrazic in there a little bit more and starting to justify his three-year deal at a $11.4 million. <laughs> yeah. No, it all, it all adds up. You know, I think back to earlier in the season um, when he talked about Richie and he was like, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does dur- during this uh, section of games or segment of games. I feel like they had a overall plan going into the season where they said, here are some things that interest us and here are some things we want to have accomplished from our with our lineup before we get to playoffs. You know, how can we get this together? The one thing that has worked in their favor is how often at the end of January are you healthy? Like that forward group is, they're not maybe, a, are they 100% healthy coming up? I think they're pretty close to 100% healthy. So... You know, it's pretty rare to have this opportunity and have everything fall in line. So pretty darn good Toronto Maple Leafs lineup once Muzzin comes back. You just mentioned the name that I think is directly uh, correlated to uh, this lineup that we perceive we'll see Wednesday. And that is Nick Ritchie. If Nick Ritchie comes in, they had a vision before the season started on what Nick Ritchie could do and where they hoped that they had him slotted, and that was anywhere in the top six. It hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And essentially, outside of a, an unhealthy lineup, there hasn't been anybody significantly uh, step up. And, you know, I, I'm not taking anything away from, from Bunting or, or Mikheyev. I'm, I'm really not. But the part... That Riley, or the, the part that Richie was really supposed to come in and solidify, you know, has not been answered. And that is just add some heaviness, a guy that can bring it and give you a different look every night. Yeah. And it, it's funny, um, you guys had mentioned this that uh, maybe it was uh, our Elliot Friedman that mentioned the name Claude Giroux as a potential Leaf guy. And I'm not sure where you guys picked that up exactly, but. I had made a few phone calls, and and there's some that believe that they're shopping for a forward, and so over a D-man, and well, not necessarily over a D-man, but maybe it's both. Yeah, like you know, you don't have to be a, a you know, a rocket scientist to understand what the need is on that blue line. But right. now you're 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 trying to spread out what you already have with your healthy lineup, and maybe this is just a progression to really maybe take a good look in the mirror and say what we perceived with Nick Ritchie isn't there. And and now we're back to square one before we had him. Yeah. I, well, it, it is interesting. It's really crunch time. Like the two forwards sitting out right now uh, as the Leafs lineup uh, is constructed are Ritchie and Clifford. Uh, on the fourth line is Simmons. So those three guys, it seems like there's one spot available. Am I wrong? Because, like, Engvall is in. Engvall's been very good as far as, you know, third-line type players go, fourth-line guys. Engvall's been good, and Spez is going to be in. So Simmons, Richie, and Clifford are all kind of trying to be that bit of heaviness for the Leafs, and I'm not sure that anyone has clearly, like, Simmons has been the best of the group, and that's why he's in. But Richie and Clifford, you're right. So if you're evaluating this team, and you mentioned the name Claude Giroux, you know, obviously some cap gymnastics have to ha- happen for something like that to be possible. He makes eight whatever. You'd have them retain half of that. There'd be half the season left, you know, so making his hit two point, you know, one million or whatever it may be by the time he did all that. 
But guys would have to go, Kipper, and I feel like they need to make a decision on Richie, and they can't make that decision with him out of the lineup. Over the next month and a half here, or whatever it is to get to the deadline, they're going to have to figure out if they think Richie can find his way to being that guy for them. Otherwise, they're going to have to move someone's salary, and he seems like the guy. Him, him or Mrazic, I don't know if Mrazic starts to play. And again, like, think about this now. Uh, the Leafs and, and Kyle would be uh, on have a tremendous amount of pressure to improve this lineup by the trade deadline. And you're asking somebody to take $2.5 million off your roster in Nick Ritchie. And you know what I say? Happy to do that uh, for a second round pick. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, know what I say? He's really good. Nick's great. We love Nick. We just can't. Ah, oh, you're right. You're right. Here's a third. Here's a third and be on your way. The one thing, you know, for two years in a row, uh, they've tr- when I even look at Joe Thornton coming in at the beginning of last year and then just throwing him on the number one line. It's not the way and, to start a guy, And is they it? did the same thing this year with Richie. And totally. I, I, to me, it's just totally backwards. I would have had Thornton and Richie start on the fourth line and hope that they can work their, their themselves up instead of up working themselves down. Nowhere to go when you start with Matthews and Marner. Nowhere to go. And expectations go through the roof, and the media talks about them, the media pays attention to them. You know, they're paid so little relative to the NHL, particularly Joe Thornton. If you'd started him on the fourth line, the media would have been anything you got from the guy. The media would have been like, whoa, what an ad it is to have Joe Thornton. But when you set the bar as this is a guy we think is a top six guy. And at the same time, from their point of view, well, if those guys can't do it at that, you know, those top line guys, then maybe they can't do it anywhere. But I just think it changes expectations, perception. I, I don't think that's putting those guys in a position to succeed, despite the fact that you're putting them with great players. And again, Claude Giroux on on a top six uh, is that quickly the way you see it? That if yeah, he's feisty, I love him. Well, <laughs> is that enough to to solidify that left side? Yeah, I mean, up front for me, it's enough. I he's I, still a hell of a player. He's a hell of a talent. Hell of a player, and I just think back to some of those playoff runs. I know he's not prime Claude Giroux, but. You know, he's competitive, and he loves those sort of games. I think of the battles him and Crosby had in the postseason, uh, you know, a half dozen years ago or whatever it was. I, I know he hasn't gone all the way through, and I know he's not thought of as remotely physical, but I do think he's a competitive offensive player, which is the type of guy I, I really enjoy watching the postseason. So. I just, again. I know he's uh, older. Not, he's not older big. and 5'10", 5'11". He's competitive. Doesn't give you... A size, no advantage. None. That's, <laughs> None. He's that's he's the only maybe thing. Listen, more of the same, but we'll we'll pick up this we'll pick up this conversation uh, a little later on. We're we're happy to uh, have Tom Rennie, CEO of Hockey Canada, join us. Uh, congratulations, Tom, on officially naming your roster for uh, the Olympics. Uh, first question, just in in general here, you you've gone from no NHL to NHL players, back to no NHL players in a, in a very short period of time. What has your life been like in, in this sequence? Uh, great question, Nick. I, to be honest with you, in, in this day and age, it's nice to be talking about hockey and what's going on on the ice. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, you know, it, it's probably more um, difficult on people like Scott Salmon, our VP, uh, senior VP at national teams, um, our staff in general, um, certainly Blair Mackesy, who was, you know, poised to, to look at players for us for um, a non-NHL team, if you will. Um, and, and, of course, you, you know, when you're talking, Nick, as you know, with the NHL uh, general managers, Dougie Armstrong leading the way with Kenny and Ron and, and uh, you know, the likes. It was, it was just really, really good to talk hockey with them, and they were really, really excited as well. So I actually think we were always ready uh, for what we might have to do uh, with this. We did it in, you know, for Pyeongchang, as you know, and, and so we've sort of had the template. Um, so it wasn't, a, it wasn't a real huge um, transition for us. I, I felt, felt bad, actually, for the NHL guys and the NHL general managers who, you know, you could tell really, really wanted to go. We, we were prepared to do whatever we needed to do to make sure we competed in the Olympic Games. So maybe not as bad as you might think. So, Tom, you guys trying to put this team together, obviously it's really challenging to compare these players from different places and leagues and points in their career. I'm curious about the technological side of that. Like, what is the technology used to view all of these guys? How are you able to see all of their games and for everyone to get enough of the actual views of each player to make decisions on them? Well, you, you know what, it, it, it certainly sounds difficult, but I, I'm sure if, for those of you that have uh, young children, you, you can probably watch a video of your kids playing or your grandchildren playing or whatever. And you can get a game of uh, mm-hmm. just about anybody from anywhere nowadays, and, and we certainly did. There's some, great, there's some great programs out there that allowed us to do that. So we watched, watched a lot of video, but I have to tell you, that was the idea behind the Channel One Cup in Moscow. Um, you know, was to take you know as many players as we thought that were available to us at least that would have a shot at the Olympic Games, and then beyond that, um, you know, with Spengler being uh, cancelled, we really did a lot of video scouting, and that is a testimony to to Blair for sure, Blair Mackesy, and then Coach Julian and his coaching staff, and all of us kind of leaned in when we had to uh, to give an opinion on and what we would you know what we had watched. So there was certainly um, you know a bit of a plan with respect to um, you know who watched who, when, how many times. And, you know, I feel comfortable. I mean, at the end of the day, we have, I think, 4,500 NHL games on the roster. So there was previous knowledge anyway. Um, but things change, you know, as we all know. And, and um, you know, you, you hope that it, people can you know, continue to play at the level that they once did. And, and I would tell you that I like our team. And so, you know, from a technical perspective, um, you know, technology helped us for sure. Where does Eric Stahl's experience come into play in this? You've got tremendous amount of experience behind the bench, we know, and and, and Claude. But uh, mm-hmm. h- how important will you lean on a guy like Eric Stahl? Well, there's no question that Eric will be really important to us. Um, you know, he just he has the wherewithal to deal with any circumstance. Um, you know, he he knows what um, you know what tight moments feel like and how to how to navigate that, if you will. Um, he knows what it's like to be up against a superior opponent, potentially, um, but a very strong opponent, yes. He knows what it's like to maybe go up an opponent that you think, you know, that, that everyone says you should beat. Um, you know, his, what he has, Nick, is probably a, an attention to detail and the manner by which he carries himself that gives everybody else the confidence that, you know, that this is how you do it. And, um, and that's not to suggest that, you know the other players that have had NHL experience don't bring the same thing. Eric's, you know, you know, obviously he's a he separates himself by you know by a Stanley Cup and and uh, an Olympic Games himself and and uh, you know just a wonderful um, guy on top of it all and great leader. 
How, uh, how difficult was the decision to include uh, some kids who were at the World Juniors? I think, uh, you know, fans in general are pretty excited to see Owen Power, Mason McTavish. Uh, were those guys no-brainers? How, how do you quantify a, a young kid like that's talent versus the experience of some of the older players? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, we've all watched a lot of hockey and we've all think we're great at forecasting futures. And, um, you know, for the most part, you know, the body of work of Owen is pretty self-explanatory um, as, as it is, you, you know, with, with McTavish. I mean, th- these are good players. And I think that, you know, with having put uh, Pyeongchang together, um, you know, we, we, we realized sort of the level of competition under the circumstances of no NHLers. And, you know, these, these kids are, for all intents and purposes, NHL ready. And, you know, so we, we certainly had that. And the body of work that they've both been able to, to put in with world championships, um, you know, for Owen, uh, world junior championships, under-18 championship for Mason. I, you know, I, I just think it's we, we were really good with, you know, identifying what we thought these young guys would be able to do. And I don't want to tell you it was a no-brainer because we have to respect the fact that all these young fellows come from programs that require them as well. You know, and, and to tap a, a player like Owen on the shoulder again, um, you know, with, uh, you know, first of all, being at the World Junior Championship and now doing the Olympic Games, I think it's a real testimony to the development of these people, um, you know, and the coaching and the programs that they're in, um, you know, to uh, say, yeah, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You, you, you better go do it. So there was a lot of information that we had to kind of digest, if you will, to make the right decision. But uh, there'll be no doubt in my mind these players will be legitimate when buck drops in, in uh, Beijing. Hey, Tom, even with NHL uh, players going, you guys would have had a very uh, tough decision in net <laughs> with Carey mm-hmm. Price's health uh, still, um, oh my gosh. you know, left out yep. there. W- what about in this scenario? Uh, you-, you named your three goalies, uh, but mm-hmm. just just the the pressure of getting this position right because we know it is, it's a make-or-break position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it sure is, Kipper. I, you know, it, you can be fabulous in front of the goaltender, and if he doesn't give you those timely saves, if nothing else, um, it, it's all for naught. So, you, you know, at the end of the day, we're here in Davos. We're training. We skated today for the first time. We did quite a bit of work with the goaltenders, uh, you know, to just get them sort of um, game ready, if you will, and give them a chance to put their best foot forward. I, You know, at the end of the day, it'll, it'll, it'll work out the way it should. Um, you know, and I, and I think that we have an, an exhibition game here against Switzerland. Uh, that we'll play on the 27th, or sorry, the 2nd. Uh, and then we're going to play the U.S. prior to the Olympic Games. There'll be an opportunity to have a good look at these these players. But again, you know, Nick, we've, we've watched a lot of video. We've spoken to a lot of people. Um, you know, we, we believe we have the right people here for the position. Um, you know, we just have to be real good in front of them. And, and you, you know, you both know Claude well enough to know what, um, you know, how his teams play and, and that, you know, there'll be five in every photo pretty much. And uh, that's not so bad for a goaltender. No, there's there's not. I do I do wonder. Do you have any concerns about the greater Canadian hockey goaltending situation going forward? Like I just look at that Team USA options, and obviously they had a, a, a number of wonderful goaltending choices this year for Canada. Uh, names that were bandied about were you know Kemper and Hart and Bennington, so some different names. Do you have any concerns there? Or is it just sort of the cycle of waiting for the next great Canadian goalies to come? Yeah, no, I. You know, I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to going to be impatient with that and project that we're that we have a dilemma in front of us. I think everything is cyclical. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many first round picks we had, and you know, 
in uh, the draft last year, but it was plenty. Um, and certainly from the draft overall, you know, Canadians were, were drafted heavily. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there's a dilemma. Uh, the dilemma for me is more in the fact that uh, young players and families might be making a different choice uh, than hockey. And quite honestly, they might be making a different choice than sport or activity. That, to me, is a more serious dilemma of whether or not the, uh, you know, we've got good goaltending on the horizon. Now, I recognize that's what we're talking about. We're in hockey, and, and this is what you fellas do. But I mean, at the end of the day, my biggest concern is are, are our numbers going to increase? Are they going to flatline? Or are they going to decrease? And, um, you know, it, it, one of the reasons we need to play in the Olympic Games and the World Junior Championship and anything else we can is inspire kids to play. And, you know, without, without that opportunity, where's the inspiration? Um, you know, I, I'm on my handheld device here talking to you folks. And, and um, you know, that's the surrogate coach. It's a surrogate mother. It's a surrogate teacher. Um, you, you know, and kids don't have to leave home. And obviously they can't in a lot of cases. But there's just not enough activity out there. So that, to me, is the greater dilemma. Whether or not we have great goaltending on the horizon, I'm less concerned about that and more concerned about you know, children being active and growing into what they can be and people in athletics or whatever it is they choose to do. We're joined with Tom Rennie, CEO of Hockey Canada, on uh, the day that uh, his Team Canada has been officially uh, named. Uh, Tom, when it comes to uh, mental wellness, uh, mm-hmm. the majority of your players have... Are, are not uh, of NHL caliber, nor have they been looked after uh, by NHL clubs the last little while. And we know this has all affected us differently, what we've gone through uh, the last year and a half, two years here. Will there be special attention to these guys, you know, uh, while they're over there? Is it a concern or is it just business as usual? Well, we have Brian Hamilton with us who happens to be the um uh, the mental skills coach for Tampa, uh, and he's a professor at the University of New Brunswick. He's been with us for five years now. Uh, done a superb job in, in dealing with players, of course. Um, but there's a collective responsibility there, Nick, as you well know. And I think it's about environment. It's about culture. It's the level of respect that you show every single player, regardless of their role. Everyone is important, and that's not a cliche. And you have to make sure that they all stay relevant from the get-go. And, you know, that. We've always sort of approached things that way at Hockey Canada, and we don't have the secret sauce. We don't have it nailed down. I mean, everyone is different, and everyone's wiring is a little bit different, but it's all about the environment that they come into and the ability to succeed therein. Um, you know, and I, and I think that's what's important here. So Brian will be a big, big help to us there. Uh, but that's not to exclude our coaching staff and the training staff. And, you know, you, you've both been around, you know, teams that have performed at a high level. And, and you know what you know what the environment looks like. And does it foster, you know, every single person's ability to, you know, to put their best foot forward? And are they getting that chance to? And we fully intend to do that. This, this should be um, a wonderful, wonderful experience. And it might even be a life-changing experience for, for some of these people. And hopefully all of them um, for all the right reasons. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, we we all come to this, this this event with with our history, with our whatever whatever we've done up to this point in time. And right now, we just want to make sure that you know we can put a cherry on top of that for an extraordinary experience that uh, bodes well for each and every player and staff member's future. Is it clear, Tom, on what they can and can't do once they're there? Good good question, Nick. I, I yeah, don't do anything. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, we are really, we are from uh, our, our hotel in the case of, of uh, staff um, and, uh, and players to the rink. 
uh, and back. And, you know, one of the things that we have to be respectful of is that, you know, as you would with going to any country, quite honestly, is be respectful of the culture, respectful of the, of the, of the doctrine, of the philosophy, um, you know, and, and just, you know, be a good citizen, you know, and a good visitor. And, um, you know, as, as far as things like our, uh, our COVID protocol or pandemic protocol, we have that well in hand, I believe. I believe that, you know, quite honestly, I think Beijing might be one of the safest places on the planet. Uh, two weeks from now, um, you know, and, and that that really is the only way to look at this. Um, you know, I, there, there will be there will be no um, uh, nothing untoward. Uh, you know, there's a responsibility on all of us to lend ourselves to this event, to make it special by doing the right things and having, you know, what we have in place relative to compliance. And I can tell you, I think that all along the way, Hockey Canada has gone above and beyond the call of duty and some would argue too far, World Junior Championship, for example, but the Under-18 Championship of a year ago, um, you know, that we won in, in Texas, um, we actually implemented our own COVID protocols that were exceeded what was in place from the IHF and USA Hockey. Um, you know, so we, we really want to take care of the athlete. We want to make sure that the experience is something special. I'm just disappointed that we can't enjoy the culture of China, um, you know, the, the way that we could in normal circumstances, but we'll certainly make the best of it. Tom, uh, you know, you mentioned how everyone is important, and that is an absolute truth uh, in hockey. You know, we see contributions all, all throughout the lineup on the best teams every year. But obviously you need the, the big dogs at the top uh, doing a lot of the, the, the heavy lifting. When you look at the roster you guys uh, have constructed, uh, who are the, some of the guys that you're most excited about uh, kind of p- pulling the, the bulk of the load for you? You know, that's a, that's another really good question. And one of the notes I wrote down before our call was that we have a very good balanced lineup. And I think that we'll get scoring from different locations in the lineup. I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, you can surmise that we know what, who the big dogs are and, 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 and maybe that's true, but I, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. We can predict Jordan, for example, or a Joss Hosang, who's a good, good, all great player. We've got guys like Adam Cracknell and David DeHarnay, who who've got their, you know, their their NHL experience. But I, you know, I, I do wonder of a of a Daniel Winnick, you know, and a and a Landon Ferrero and, and a and a Jack McBain, for example, or or you know Ben Street. I I, I just you know I, I I'm being evasive, and it's certainly not intentional. I just don't know. I, I think we're going to have a very well balanced team that might be tough to defend because we're not so predictable. Uh, Tom, just to switch gears for one second, World Juniors, sure. is, is are we closer <laughs> to a, a, a late June, July to, to regroup and recoup some of the things that were lost? We're having great conversations, Nick. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to go out on a limb and say, yeah, for sure. But we've had very, very good conversations. Uh, our, our intention is to, is to hold that event. Uh, in Canada, in the same venue, we'll do everything we possibly can to make sure that the very same players uh, get that same chance. But you know what? We have partners that we need to uh, identify with as well, and that's the other federations that are involved. It's the IIHF, and it's the National Hockey League, um, you know, who have some players that uh, I'm sure they would love to see a little closer than on TV, uh, you know, at some point in time. But uh, all I can tell you, Nick, that I think discussions are going very well um, whether or not we can pull this off remains to be seen, but we're certainly working on it. You know, I, I don't know about June only because of the conflicts that could be involved there. It might be a little later than that. Should we be able to do this? But like I mentioned, we're, 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 we're really working on it, Nick, and we feel an obligation to continue to do so. Well, we wish you the best of, like, uh, best of luck, Tom. We'll be uh, watching and cheering from uh, afar. Stay safe and 
Wish you all the best. My pleasure, fellas. Thanks for the time and thanks for the opportunity to talk about this team. Much appreciated. Thanks, Tom. Tom Rennie, CEO of Hockey Canada, mm-hmm. on his way to the Olympics. So have you uh, had a good chance to to look at the Team Canada roster, Kipper? Sammy? Yes, and there are some names I do recognize. <laughs> I'm pouring over this baby. Boys, I was a AHL video coach picking through opposing lineups. I got this lineup nailed. Uh, oh, <laughs> I know I know the Daniel Cars and the Mark Barberios and Corbin Knights in and out. Let's go. That's, uh, <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. In all honesty, I got some scouting reports written somewhere. I don't, I don't think I could pick them out of a police lineup, but I have watched them play. Well, so what are we going to do? We, 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 I got a hat ready each. for our draft. You want to pick first. some names here? Are we doing this know. now? Pick. Yeah, let's do it. Have we announced what we're doing here? Wow, well, I guess we should probably do that. We're, we're going to have our own <laughs> little draft of players we, we want to uh, – we find most intriguing. How's that? It's right. We're gonna all. We're Our all gonna pick three players. Draft. Yes, three. from the whole of the Olympics uh, or hockey uh, Olympics. Can I get through one Men's before hockey. we get three? <laughs> well, let's see. I don't know if your guy's gonna be available by the time you get to pick. Right. We got Sammy to, to draw names here. Who's going first? First overall pick is Kip. Ah, oh, yes. And the With second overall pick is Bory. It has to be. Oh, tough race. Owen. Power. How can you? That's the first guy that your eyes are going to go to. This is Mm -hmm. a very rare opportunity where you get a a first pick overall, which is always, always labeled a franchise type of player. Hasn't even played one game in the National Hockey League. And you get to watch him uh, in in an Olympic uh, moment here. He has to be the best defenseman on this team if not in the whole tournament and what we saw out of him out of the world juniors i think makes him by far the most intriguing player in this olympics it's a good number one overall pick uh with the first overall pick uh team intriguing from the borns uh i have david krejci David Krejci's in the Olympics, guys. Like, to me, is there a bigger disparity between Connor McDavid and the rest of the league or David Krejci in this tournament? Like, he's going up against Maxime Neureau on Team Canada. And, like, you know, just names I don't know. No disrespect to Neureau. But, like, David Krejci's still a pretty darn good hockey player. So I'm curious to see how good he looks. And how much did Boston (sighs) miss him so far this year? Oh, man, imagine. One one more guy, second line center. That's a he'll be first line for Team Chechia. I can tell you that. Yeah, Sammy, he's got he's got thirty five points in thirty eight games in the Czech League right now. So okay, he's okay. Uh, he hasn't missed a beat overseas. So he's probably going to look pretty good in this. <sighs> do so. Do I go with my okay? Do I go with my bleeding heart Canadian pick or my Leafs homer pick? And I'm going to go with my Leafs pick. And I'm going to go with Matthew Nyes for Team uh, for Team America. Uh, he's a Leafs pick. He's a Leafs pick. He's playing at the highest level in the Olympics. I'm really looking forward to seeing him play uh, against some good teams, getting to uh, go over there and play for Team America. So I've seen a bunch of clips that my boy Nick Richard tweets out from him playing at the University of Minnesota this year. He looks great, scoring sweet goals, trying the Michigan from time to time. He's got a little flair. Give me Matthew Nyes with the third overall pick. All right. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep uh, into a, a a leaf theme here, and I'm gonna go Ho Sang. 
Well, that's can, a good pick. It is. You can, you can make an argument. He could be the most talented player on the ice, and you could have made that argument since he was 14 years old. But that's never been his issue. It's putting it together. It's having the toolbox. We know the tools are there. It's the toolbox that has been missing. I think based on what he's gone through already and all the reports seem to be favorable with the Toronto Marlies, but this is an opportunity, a really great opportunity on a huge stage to say, I think I can still play in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and I, agree. I don't know what we're going to see. Are we going to see a continuation of the new habits or will we see a guy that goes out there and tries to do it all himself on, on, on a, on a talent level only to turn the puck over on a few occasions, like he has in the past, you know, seven years. So this one's intriguing to me. I think he's, he's been in the right frame of mind since he's been with the leaf organization. And I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, they've left him down there. And they haven't, yeah. they haven't given them too much, but we'll see. We'll see where we are with Hosang uh, yeah. in the next what month. He could be a star for them or the complete opposite. Looking forward to seeing that myself. I've got like a number of guys here, and I hope we can do an honorable mentions after. But like, if I don't say Eric Stahl, then what? I'm not telling the truth. I like don't. I want to see Eric Stahl play, so I don't even really need to explain that. Who doesn't want to watch Eric Stahl in in the Olympics? Yeah, that's just a neat. That was my next pick. Obvious, pretty uh, low hanging fruit, there. but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it is. He's he going to be the grizzled veteran that the, 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 the former NHL superstar. I hope so. He's going to be the captain, right? Why? Of, of why, why isn't he on a team making seven fifty right now? Well, and that's kind uh, of what I, where I'm at. Is he, was he that bad in his last stint? I need to go back. Like, and look he wasn't that. great with the hat. He should be at the very least a. a a Spezza type of guy that can play 10, 12 minutes and and be that guy. If he can't do that right now in the NHL, can we expect a lot out of him in this? Or more importantly, if he goes out there and looks amazing, does someone take him? Is there someone in the league who says, look, Eric Stahl's better than our you know, 13th forward. Let's get Stahl. Like, this is a little tryout for him, is it not? Yeah, and he went to the Iowa Wild for a little tune-up and had five points in four games. So Stalzy's ready to rock. He's going to go over there and light it up. Okay, my next pick is a guy that I was in love with at the World Juniors, and I'm happy to get him with my uh, second pick here, sixth overall. I'm going to go with Mason McTavish. Kid's filthy. He's played for five <laughs> different teams this year so far now if he's playing for this team. Uh, he's played for uh, he played for the Ducks, played for the Peets, played for the Bulldogs, played for the World Juniors, and now going to play for the Team Olympics. Wow. So uh, give me Mason McTavish with the uh, sixth overall pick. Love Mason McTavish. Crazy to play for five teams and not one of the teams like really wanted you gone. Like everyone has enjoyed him. It yeah, just has, no, you know. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back to you, Kipper, you for your third and final pick. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Take Look, man, just say a name. <laughs> How about, like, I, I'm looking at the names here. Dennis Malgin. Didn't we, yeah. didn't the league <laughs> trade him for, for, uh, uh, uh Mason McTavish, or sorry, not Mason McTavish, Marchman. but, uh, Mason Marchman. Yeah. Yes. Who's done a great job in Florida. So maybe if he plays well, the Leafs will want him back. 
How about Marinson and, and, <laughs> well, and that defensive specialist that he is? Mar- Marty was maybe my next pick, I'll be honest. The Leafs could him. use him, Sammy. Could they not? <laughs> if he has a great tournament? No. No. Keep him as fun. No. No. Oh, Let him stay over there. Just what are you taking? Uh, what are you taking? Long stick. All right. Okay, I'll take then Team China, Brandon Yip, because it sounds like, <laughs> okay. because it sounds like Kip. There you go. Okay, <laughs> Kipper, Kipper's on the board with with Brandon Yip. Uh, I'll, I guess I'm going to stick with my theme of uh, former NHL guys with Marinchin off the board. I'll go with uh, David DeHarnay, who I always loved, and I didn't even know wasn't in the league anymore. I'll be honest, just one of those guys you don't think about, yeah. and then you go, wait, he's not in the league. Uh, I thought he's a great player. So bad skates. He always had really bad skates with like the tongues out what? and like. The, the bad the way they looked they were tongues out really shimmery not a great look I guess yeah, I gotta go I with my ninth graphs. pick here eh yeah uh, how when I can get a second overall pick at the ninth pick uh, for Team America I have no idea what is it Matty Benier or Matty Bernier the guy that plays for Team America he's the second overall pick he was supposed to light it up at the World Juniors he was the Squids draft pick never seen him play one game of hockey but he's a high pedigree guy playing for them so I'll take him with the third overall pick I'm guessing because he's American you're going to say all those letters it's probably Beniers Beniers or something what did I say that. Bernier well he's the French Matty version the French Canadian but, yeah. no Matty Beniers <laughs> is right I'm is an idiot okay? So, okay. Sammy, yep. are, are you right. rating all of these down so in like three and a half weeks from now or four weeks, whenever it's over, we can laugh at you? Yeah, I wrote a, Can I tell you? I got the them comment, all written down, pal. The comment I'm most scared of coming back uh, to bite everyone is Tom Rennie saying a few minutes ago that he thinks uh, Beijing in two weeks could be the safest place in the world. That, that to me, felt ominous. That scared me on the jinx front. So here's to hoping things go well for Canada and yes. the, the other teams this year. I just and he's basically just said a hotel and rink. That's it for these guys. Yeah, and so such Sick. a you know different rich culture to get to experience and to be that close to it and just have to like watch through your window. That feels like a bit of uh, life experience robbery, unfortunately. But is what it is. I, I admit I, I didn't watch much of the last uh, Olympics uh, winter without the NHLers. Is this going to feel the exact same one that we had or? Is this one feel a little no. different, maybe with the, star power, even a guy like going power? Yeah. Was there no? What That's was why. there in the last exactly one, Sammy? Uh, who was? I mean, was there not star power in the last one at all? That's how little uh, I watched. Unless you consider Gilbert Brule and Rene Bork uh, star power, it wasn't exactly <laughs> a. Uh, Doug McLean would say it's star power, but no, it hasn't been a lot of star power. All right. Well, and are we talking about? Uh, like the tennis match last night or tonight with Felix, I think it starts at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, that's a tough one for Canadians to watch. Is this <laughs> yeah. – do, do we know how the schedule is going to work? Is this so, – can, can I get a decent I, sleep pl- and still watch? The only one that I have looked up and I know the timing of is on Saturday night, the Saturday night before Super Bowl, they play the USA at midnight on that Saturday night. So you can watch the Leafs and Canucks. You can know, maybe have a couple little Buddhas, uh, get comfortable in your chair, and stay up for that entire game, boys. I know both you guys will be watching that game very closely. I got a much better chance of seeing a game that starts at 5 a.m. than midnight in my uh, <laughs> adult <laughs> you and kids. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truth. All right. We'll take a All quick right. break here. We got Brian Lawton after the break, former NHLer, player, agent.
general manager, does it all. We'll get into maybe the Flyers. 11 in a row, guys, really? The Philadelphia Flyers? All after the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.